Last year, we actually flew to Vegas and then went around from there, you know, to Zion, Bryce, uh, Grand Canyon. Uh, but usually we start here in Jersey and just get in the car and go. There's no itinerary. There's no, we need to be somewhere at a certain time. And we've come across really cool places, things to do that are off the beaten path. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Of course, if you're listening, you already know that that's what this is. So yeah, there's that. Today, I have with me a new friend of mine, Aaron Younger, and we met at a mastermind meetup. I think we'd probably talked a little bit before then, but we were having this awesome conversation and he was talking to me about some things that he has done with his kids years, year after year. And I immediately said, Hey, hey, you got to come on and share this. So I'm super pumped about that. Aaron is from New Jersey. He owns Care Supplies, which I'll kind of let him lay that one out for you. It's, it's cool business. But anyway, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was really nice. And uh, we had a great time uh, down in uh, the mastermind in Texas where we met. And it's always good to see uh, people in person, not just, you know, behind the keyboard. Isn't that weird? (laughs) It's such a weird reality these days. I love going to those things, but it's always like someone will walk up to me and they're like, Scott, I'm like, Oh crap, who is that? And I've had long conversations with them. Pull through your phone. (laughs) What what does his picture look like? Yeah. And, and, oh, your message to me beforehand is like, Hey, we got to meet, we got to talk. And I'm, I said, I'm the short guy that always wears a hat. And you said, what did you say? I'm the Jewish looking guy with the kippah. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm like, the only one wow, this like is going to be hard to miss. I'm the only one there like that. So yeah, you should be able to miss me. <laughs> hey, it made it super easy. And then it was funny. As soon as you said that, or you type that to me, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've seen you like all the meetups that I've been to in the last whatever year, however, you've been in it for multiple years, haven't you? This, this, I'm completing my second year. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, you start to kind of like latch on to certain people and you see them over and over again, and then your, your brain making that connection from online to in person. And then once that connection is made, it's awesome. And, you know, that's something I would encourage guys like that are listening to this. If you're, if you have a bunch of Facebook friends or Zoom friends or work-related friends, do something to get in the same room with them because it brings everything to a whole new level. Like you and I would have never had this conversation about how you do these nope. cool adventures with your kids, right? Not at all. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, even like whether it's a mastermind or whatever, but it's, it's getting into the room and meeting the people. Yeah. The sales part has been, you know, learning business and sales and those type of stuff have been great. But it's actually meeting the people and connecting with people from all across the U.S. Or I think one of them, I mean, there's some from Canada. There was a guy from South America, you know, and like you just get to meet these people and connect with them and, you know, keep in touch because you've gone and got into the room. Right. And, you know, that's what's so cool about it is we come together kind of like as business owners. But you sit in a room with somebody and then you start breaking bread with them and then you start having further conversations and it just goes so deep. And it really fills my cup. It's it's quite spectacular. And sometimes business comes out of it. Sometimes it doesn't. But that just so does not matter because right. it's like it's the this, relationships. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of guys live in isolation. They really do. A lot of men 
they go to work and that's their life, right? They go to work and they might have church or they might have, you know, their, their small family connections. And, and you gotta, you gotta get around other guys. You gotta go bust out and do something a little different. So in this case, there was guys and gals, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So care supplies, you buy or you sell supplies to, uh, government, government. Facilities. yeah, it's uh, toiletries, personal care products, so like soaps, shampoos, deodorants, uh, from you know Colgate, J and J, Dial, PNG, Unilever, um, and then we distribute it out. It's pretty cool because I, my work, what I do, I get to peek into the world of everybody's businesses. And you and I were on the phone, and you kind of like were sh- you shared your screen and were showing me things. And I think some people would think, "Wow, this is really boring." I'm like fascinated with it. I'm absolutely fascinated with how businesses work and looking at like inventories and availability and the shipping. You just, you said you just got done with your, your FedEx guy. And I'm like, Oh, you got to schmooze with that guy to get the best price you can because freight right now is, will we'll make or break your business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, international freight is actually coming down. Um, I was at a trade show the last uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week. Um, it's now Thursday already. I can't with flying the red eye, you just messes up your, uh, Oh my gosh. Holy. So I was out in Vegas and I was talking to uh, this guy I also met at these shows. Um, I, I see his booth and uh, you know, I'm sitting down talking to him and he's, he imports a lot of products um, from India. And he was telling me like, you know, it used to be about $2,500 for a, a container. And then COVID, it went up to $20,000. Oh and now he's like, they call him, you know, the freight companies to call him to see if he has product he's like the last container he paid was 700 bucks oh my gosh and he's like it's you know they are so desperate for he's like i mean you want to talk about recession whether you know the government is changing the numbers or fooling the numbers he's like the end of the day is like when freight companies are calling me to pay you know 700 dollars for a full container from india he's like i know there's a problem on the horizon yeah (laughs) that's a big discrepancy yeah (laughs) <laughs> he's like their ships like they're they're just going empty they're ghost ships whatever they call because they just got to get out because the ports only can hold x amount of you know the ship for oh, x no. amount of time so they're just going in circles and you know so they're just trying to pick up anything they could wow so that'll positively affect you a little bit but the bigger picture is probably quite scary <laughs> if we think about it yeah yeah but business overall is, is good i mean uh good. local rates are not coming down yet because we still have the high gas prices, the surcharge. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know if you know about yellow trucking that went out of business. Um, I had big, saw something yeah, about that. Big bankruptcy. Yeah. So a lot of, you know, capacity is going to these other carriers that are currently in business already. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're not interested in giving you better rates right now because, you know, they just took over a multi-billion dollar a year business and, Though the only thing is that all their equipment and stuff, the trickle down effect in a few months or a year or a year and a half, that equipment is going to be sold for pennies on the dollar to all the right. current, you know, carriers. And once there's more equipment on the road, then my pricing or general pricing will start to come down because they paid, you know, 50 bucks for a trailer instead of, you know, $50,000. So they're going to try to, uh, you know, move their rates to get more once capacity starts to pick up again but it's probably not going to be for at least another year i mean you see what happens gas prices but yeah that's business (laughs) yeah it's intriguing i i'm maybe i'm just 
freaking weird that I love talking and hearing about this stuff. So yeah. it probably is a, a little more weird than the norm. Yeah, I mean, yesterday I had a lot of fun. I had this Excel um, problem I've been working on for a long time. Um, my uh, vendors, some of them, they'll uh, give you uh, like a, a, an allowance off of the item. Mm-hmm. Um, so most times you just take it off the invoice. And let's say, for example, you're, uh, you know, your case of water is 20 bucks. You pay 20 bucks and that's it. But now um, what they're doing is the case still costs $20, but they're charging you 30 And that allowance, that $10 allowance, you get at the end of the quarter. So you get yeah. a check for everything, but which is fine. It's the same amount, but for commission reports, when, you know, my salesperson is doing, you know, the sales, it shows up as 30. Let's say I was selling it at 28 before because, you know, 20, buy it at 20, sell it at 28. I'm making my markup. Great. Now it's showing it's, it's bought at 30 and sold at 28. My system showing is a loss. So I have to download the commission report now, match it up to Excel sheet that I have on, you know, for the rebate items, you know, the, the 15 items I'm getting from those manufacturers or 20 items, whatever it is. And then go back to the commission report, match it up, see, go through the whole report, you know, do a lookup of any of those item numbers that are there. If it's here, then tell me what the real cost is and whatever. So I've been going back and forth and finally figured it out yesterday. And there's, it's such a good feeling when you get an Excel or you balance your books properly and it's just like, it works. Everything aligns up because like, oh, great. It's just one little thing wrong and everything's up. It took me a long, it took me, I was working on it for weeks. I couldn't get the right oh formula and stuff. And finally I was like, oh. I was actually speaking to a friend yesterday afternoon and he was like, why don't you try like this instead of like that? And I was like, you know what, let me try it. And it worked. Well, there you go. <laughs> Why do companies do that? I worked for uh, a business that did pest control and mosquito control in residential. And the mosquito control, you buy the this solution, right? And and they were they gave all these rebates, but the price was heavier at the front. And you're and my, I would just scratch my head. Are they trying to boost their books? reason they're trying to hit certain numbers for shareholders or, you know, whatever it is. It's I don't know. so weird. It seems really. Yeah, it seems like a little shady really, because then the day is the same money, but it depends how they're looking at it. So what they put in their yeah. books and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Go call Colgate up and ask them or Unilever and figure it out. Oh, good uh, luck with that. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's gotta be shareholder thing. It's gotta be it's gotta be getting the right it, massaging the numbers the, the way yeah. they want. And people that don't believe that stuff happens, like just step into the business world for a little bit. You'll see a lot of yeah. a lot of of the underbelly or big, especially with huge companies, right? There's always some sort of interesting money <laughs> money manipulation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you have, uh, dude, you have four kids. Yeah. Ages. Twins that are 18, a uh, daughter that's 12. The twins are boys. Uh, my daughter's 12, and then I have a son who's nine. Okay. So nine to 18. So you're splitting it. You got one that's half the age of the other two, and then one in a gal in the middle. I bet she's protected um, with, she, with older brothers. She beats them up. <laughs> <laughs> she's my tomboy. Is she? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she plays hockey, ice hockey, and uh, on a boys' team, and uh, she's you know top two on her team. That's and, kick ass. Yeah, she doesn't uh, take no no junk from anyone. So did, has she always been like that? 
Yeah, yeah, since he's a little kid. Um, I mean, I started pl- I grew up in Los Angeles, so, you know, there's ice rinks in everybody's backyards there. So I grew oh. up skating that. Um, we used to play floor hockey on people's, like my friend had a tennis court. Like, so Sunday afternoon, we'd all have, you know, games. I loved the game of hockey. Uh, but once I came here, then I got divorced uh, about 10 years ago now, separated. So I was like, I'm not sitting home watching Netflix every night. I need something to do. So I actually uh, bought gear and I signed up for, uh, you know, adult uh, hockey clinics and uh, learned to play and skate properly. And so every Sunday I was going, you know, for myself to public skate to just learn how to skate. And she wanted to come. She was like three years old and she just wanted to come along. So uh, I used to take her. Her mom had no problem with me, you know, even though it wasn't, uh, you know, court appointed time. Um, you know, we never had any issues with, uh, you know, that type of stuff. If the kids wanted to go back and forth, no issues. So, you know, I used to take her every single Sunday and she loved it. And then I was like, okay, let's get you lessons. And so she got real lessons, like three, four years old. And then she's like, I want to play wow. hockey also. So we did the learn to skate program that the NHL. Really? Yeah. That's, a, that's crazy. So do you still play hockey then? I play. Yeah. That is In- so cool. I love it when adult men will, will jump into something because it's like, it's building, it's building tenacity. It's building strength. It's building your, you're flexing that muscle of like, I'd be scared to death, quite honestly, to go learn. And so it's doing hard things. Right. And that just helps you. So do you get hurt? I mean, <laughs> I I've like torn my meniscus hurt. from there and people have gotten hurt, you know, broke a leg or an arm or whatever. But overall, I mean, 99% of the time, you're not getting hurt. It's not, we're not, you know, checking. It's it's a men's right, beer league, as they call it. You know, everyone wants to get home and go home in the morning and wake up for work. You know, it's like. Yeah. You're still on slippery, hard stuff. Though. Yeah. You're wearing protection <laughs> and, you know, it's yeah. uh, gear and everything. So, but overall, um, you know, things happen, but, you know, the, the odds of getting hurt is really, you know, minuscule. Yeah. Yeah. So your daughter. Okay. So she's playing travel she's on a travel league for hockey do you think that she has like this more tomboy or more i don't know if tomboy is the right term anymore but is that because she has brothers or do you just feel like it was always there she she never played with a doll even as like one two years old like she had zero interest in dolls it was just like active 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 she comes hiking with me she'll she just loves you know doing so 12 years old so she'll be hit is she in middle school now she'll be hitting middle school soon she's going to eighth grade yeah Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Oh, that's got to be fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So kind of what we, what I was super intrigued with is I was talking to you about a trip I did with my son last year. He's eight, he turned When he turned 18, we hit the road. We drove 5,000 miles. Uh, we camped on one of those truck pop-up tent can things, and we stopped and, and visited uh, – visited family and kind of went through a lot of my old stomping ground where I traveled and lived. And, and it it was such an incredible experience. It was so cool. There's like nothing. And I've talked about this a lot. There's nothing more like revealing than spending a lot of time in a car with your kids, because if you can get them off of their devices, which was kind of a rule, right? And especially doing 5,000 miles, they're not going to spend the whole 5,000 miles on, on a device. But we had some of the most amazing discussions. How how long you've been doing these summer trips you've been doing? And, and just tell us about them because I think this is, uh, guys, if you're listening and or women, take note because I think what you, you're doing is insanely cool. So we go every year. Um, how many years already? 
I don't know, a bunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> as long as I can remember, I guess for sure. I mean, since I separated for sure, so 10 years, we've gone, you know, last year we actually flew to Vegas and then went around from there, um, you know, to Zion, Bryce, uh, Grand Ooh. Canyon. Uh, but usually we start here in Jersey and just get in the car and go. There's no itinerary. There's no, we need to be somewhere at a certain time. And we've come across really cool places, things to do that are off the beaten path, um, you know, hikes that are, um, you know, not on anybody's list, but it's just like, you know, you, you're talking to a local guy, you're renting an Airbnb and you're like, no, no, go to this place. You're going to love it. And, you know, so we've ended up this past year, we just came back a week and a half ago. We were on the road for a week. We ended up uh, in the Great Smokies. Oh, wow. We were just let's drive. We haven't driven South yet. We've done a lot of, you know, Northeast and Midwest a little bit. So we're like this year, let's head South. Let's see where we end up. And, you know, North Carolina, Virginia, well, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, go through Maryland, Maryland, to drop uh, Virginia, West Virginia, Virginia again. And then you hit North Carolina. And then we crossed over into Tennessee by the Smokies over there. And we just spent a week on the road. It was really wonderful. You know, we got in hikes, we got in, uh, you know, attractions. Um, but yeah, we, we pack our own, uh, you know, food. We have, you know, kosher diet, so it's harder to get kosher food in these places. So we have a cooler, you know, we have meats, we have a, you know, George Foreman grill, we have a panini press, you know, so we make sandwiches for, you know, lunch every morning and we'll take it in the car with us. We'll have wraps, um, you throw on uh, eggs onto, you know, the George Foreman or, you know, the sandwich maker and you can have scrambled eggs if you want. Uh, but that's what the daily schedule is, is make breakfast, make your lunch. So we have it later and get on the road and do something. And hopefully it's a hike or, you know, uh, water, something on the water, um, you know, kayaks or, yeah. And then in the evening we'll do like a local attraction or something, unless we're wiped out and then we'll just go to sleep. So many things I want to ask. So first of all, I'd never even thought about the kosher diet on the road because yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that takes a little bit of work, even where you live, I'm sure you, you know, where you yeah, yeah, we have kosher grocery stores here. So everything yeah. in there is kosher and kosher takeout <laughs> and stuff, but yeah, restaurants. But once you get out, uh, you know, onto the road, unless you're into larger, you know, community has a nice, you know, amount, a larger amount of Jewish population, you're not really getting stuff, wow. but your local, you know, the, the grocery chains, uh, I don't know, um, What's you like the big one in your area? Oh gosh, I mean, we have Safeway and I'll, I'll, there's all sorts of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what area. There's the HEBs. There's Tom. HEBs. Thumb, are, and, yeah. Yep, yep. So all those big ones, they'll have you know the national foods. Most of them do have you know kosher certification. Like the snacks are like even though you don't need it, but let's say in a bottle of water, it has that little OU symbol. Oh, really? So that's orthodox units. So it's a certification that the, you know, the water is kosher, even though water doesn't need it because it's naturally kosher. Right. Um, but it just means it was packed like in a plant that had no other stuff. But you can drink water that's, you know, doesn't have that symbol unless it has the flavors added. Then you would have to, you know, check for that. Pay for it. But it's like, you know, a whole other way. Or, you know, cream che- Philadelphia cream cheese is kosher. And, you know, Thomas bagels are kosher. So like if you were stuck, you can, you know, make yourself a cream cheese sandwich or, you know, locks, you know, most of them have uh, certifications and stuff. Very uh, cool. If you're looking for meat and, uh, you know, chicken and stuff like that, you really would have to bring on your own. So, 
Yeah, because meat pat processing plants are meat processing yeah. plants where they do everything. I'm a because when I did with my son, I had a very strict diet. I was I was pretty much eating basically meat and cheese, and um, the you know that it's just how I tick. It works really well for me, and so being on the on the road for two weeks, buying a really nice cooler. It makes it so easy. I mean, we'd stop and he'd want some fast food and I'd just pull something out of there and eat. And I think just people make things way harder than they need to be. Yeah, I this mean, is a, this is a, a, pro tip, prep. a pro tip for anything in life is get yourself a vacuum sealer. Oh, yeah. Even, yeah. you know, you get a bag of cheese from Costco, the huge bags. So I just mm -hmm. portion it out make five bags i know for each day vacuum seal it so the water doesn't because in the cooler the ice melts and just gets everywhere i just dump it in i'll make you know a package of um you know even if i'll make grilled chicken at home or whatever i'll throw it into a vacuum sealer and take it with so i don't have to cook it there or you know like we brought you know rib steaks to make one night i just vacuum seal them not cooked you know just and, and frozen mm -hmm. and just had them in the cooler and just pull them out from the vacuum seal and like it's you can I mean, not even for your road trip, just at home, you know, you're buying a big package of something, you know, stick it in the freezer, it's going to last you a year or two without getting freezer burnt, then it's perfectly yeah, that's fine. that's crazy. That's uh, really yeah, cool. I take all my stuff on the trip and vacuum seal everything before we it's, go. That's so smart because there were certain things that, like, I had, you know, bigger packages of and they got, they got water in them. It's like, this yep, is gross. exactly. <laughs> the first year I did that, I was like, why, why don't I just portion them out? And yeah. So, so how, how do you just get in the car and drive? So here's, you know, my son and I did that. Like we didn't have every stop like um, dialed in. So I remember we were going through Wyoming and we pulled over. We're like, oh, let's find a hotel. Uh, hotels were were sold out. And so I'm, I'm calling all the hotel chains. They're like, hey, you got like 150, 200 miles before anything. Like in the middle of Wyoming, what in the world? is There must have been some event going on. And, you know, I had to, we were kind of in that desperation mode where it's like, I don't remember there was some timelines, but it, it got a little wonky. We finally found an Airbnb. It was kind of a fun adventure. How do you avoid those, those situations where, you know, you don't know where you're going to be the next night? I, you just don't know. I mean, so you, I, I've had, most times I don't have issues, but I've had once that there was nothing, like I try to stay just in Marriott chains because I have status with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I'll end up, you know, checking Airbnb also, like if there's a cool spot, like just a regular house, like I'm not interested in. Um, but like on the road, we found a farm that raises, um, ducks and pheasants for hunting and they have a uh, hunting lodges. So we stayed in a hunting lodge and the next morning, the guy gave us a tour of his hatchery and, you know, wow. the ponds that he deals with and the eggs and the, you know, there's, you know, one month old chicks, two months old chicks, three months old chicks. And then we went skeet shooting there and just like random Airbnb places because it was hotel was, was, there was no hotels in that area. So we just found this Airbnb. I think that was the middle of Ohio somewhere. A bunch what of a cool back. experience, it really man. Really cool. Yeah. My kids, I think were That's at, crazy. Like, 12 at that point and they're like going skeet shooting. And then, you know, this guy's like, yeah, shoot as many as you want. Go for it. <laughs> like, wow. So, uh, what are some other really cool areas you've kind of just happened on or activities? One is really cool activity was we were driving in West Virginia probably about five, six years ago now. We were in the we were in Shenandoah for the day. And then we, we got out of Shenandoah and before that it was really cool. In Shenandoah, 
So it was already dark. We finished our hike and then we were just driving through the skyline and we see in the distance a lightning, um, you know, storm happening. Mm -hmm. So we pull over to the side on a nice clearing and with an overlook and literally for like 45 minutes, we were sitting on top of the car and just watching a lightning show happening about 60 to hundred miles away. It was so cool. And the kids still talk about it. Like, remember that lightning show? Remember that lightning show? So you guys probably saw the lightning bolts like from sky, just like just yeah, forming over really huge cool. distances. I mean, I was trying to take pictures, yeah. but my camera was not set up for, you know, uh, <laughs> it was way too far. And, you know, the light yeah. by me and whatever, dark. And, um, but it was, yeah. So we ended up just, then we were driving around. We're like, where should we head out to? We're like, I don't know. Let's just take this highway west a little bit or whatever it was. And it was getting late. It was like 11, 1130. And I'm like, okay, let's, you know, let's try to find a place. And I ended up finding a, uh, a Marriott hotel. I forgot which, you know, which, uh, brand in their chain. And I pull up there and I go inside and there's a sign. Welcome Houston Texans fans and coaches. And this is West Virginia. I'm like, I go up to the guy at the desk. I'm like, what's the sign for? They're like, Oh, they're having their training camp here in the Greenbrier, which is, you know, mm-hmm. like five miles from here. And so the coaches and some of the, you know, fans who came up are staying in this hotel. Uh, the players are in the Greenbrier itself, but some of the coaches and families are here. It's like, okay, cool. So I told the kids, I'm like, so I said, like, when's the training camp over? They're like, well, actually, tomorrow's the last day. So I uh, tell the kids, I'm like, you know, what do you want to do tomorrow? There's, you know, mud obstacle course or uh training camp. They're like training camp or doing training camp. So we ended up going to the training camp the next day. And there was a, a girl in the lobby in the morning and she was waiting for a, a ride uh, for her Uber. And it's like, it says 45 minute, you know, ride. Cause it's the middle of absolutely nowhere. Right. So I was like, come with us. We're going to the training camp. She was wearing a Houston, uh, you know, shirt. I was like, you going to the training camp. They're like, yeah. I'm like, come, let's go. You know, she's like, yeah. I'm like, listen, I have my kids in the car. You can't be scared. We're going there. She's like, all right, fine. No problem. <laughs> I was a random stranger. Like, <laughs> yeah, no like, yeah, I got the kids. I'm like, she's like, okay, fine. And she, we were talking in the car and she's like, yeah, she's a, a private masseuse. And some of the players fly her in because she's based in Houston and they fly her in so they can work. She can work on them while they're in training camp. And she's like, yeah, I'm leaving, uh, you know, later in the day because the training camp is over. She's going back home. She works with a few different clients. And so we ended up talking and then she's like, okay. She's like, I'm going to go to a different entrance because whatever, I'm going into a different side. She's like, but afterwards, meet me over here. I'm going to bring over a few of my players that I work with to meet your boys. So after practice is over, my kids love to practice and, you know, like they were in heaven. And so after practice, we go down over there and, she brings over a few of her players and they're talking to my kids and just chatting. And they were like, Oh my God, dad, this is the coolest thing ever for them. What an amazing experience. Yeah. And this is just because no plans, just we ended up some random hotel, like no clue that they were going to say there. You can't plan that. I mean, sure you could, but then here's what I love. I heard this saying in my family, we've, we've kind of talked about it. My wife and I say it to our boys every time we trip travel or do something. Cause we're one of our family values is, is experiences over things. Right. And it sounds like you really yeah, admire definitely. experiences and I, and something we learned very early on was, uh, low expectations, high sense of adventure. 
Now, if you would have like said, oh, we're going to go to this training camp and maybe we'll meet someone, that's high expectations. And then the sense of adventure goes down because you you kind of have this idea of what you think is going to happen. But if you have those super low expectations and you just go out and see what you've come upon, you have this adventure that's going to lead you to places you've never been before and experiences. There's, there's no way you could have planned. There's no way you could have a plan. No. I mean, there's times that we'll plan a little bit. Like we were yeah. up in um, New Hampshire um, one year and we're like, oh, okay, tomorrow let's climb Mount Washington. So like, I wasn't going to go just to New Hampshire to climb Mount Washington, but once we're in the area, it's like, that's the highest peak in the Eastern seaboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, let's do that. And we did it the next day. I was like, it was hard. <laughs> it's not an easy hike. <laughs> no, no. I remember, uh, we talked about, I used to live on the East coast and that was one of the ones that people would talk about. So, so you've been doing this, you said, and actually my son did it with a broken collarbone. Oh no. In a sling? Yeah, he was in a sling and he's like, we're doing this. <laughs> so, but that that's a really good point right there, Aaron. The fact that you have them doing these adventurous things where you're not quite sure how everything's going to lay out. Don't you feel like that's a really good preparation for them in life to handle adversity and to handle thing, things and take things with a sense of adventure rather than really high expectations and, and entitlement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with my daughter and her hockey, like she's got to figure things out on the fly. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. she's got to get up early in the morning to get to practice or a game that's, you know, an hour and a half away. And, you know, like she learns responsibility. Like if you're not going to go to sleep on time the night before, then you ain't going to make it up and you're going to let down your team. And they do count on her. So there was something you said, you were telling a story about your kids and I was really impressed with the way that you were explaining they were handling something. And do you feel like what part of their upbringing do you think has been, I know you have these trips, but what part of their upbringing do you think has, has prepared them most for kind of life's journey? I guess it's more just about having, you know, a set of values and living by that and, you know, you know, living within your core of, you know, what you believe in, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. has their own religious values, whatever, which is fine. But like, at least you're sticking to whatever one you are, you know, beholden to. So I think that is uh, one of the, you know, very important uh, pieces of the puzzle for them of, you know, even when we're on the trips, we're going to do our prayers. We're going to, you know, keep the Sabbath, keep kosher, you know, do appropriate things, um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, I think that's really a big deal. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast is, is, having a foundation where there's like very like there's definitely right and wrong there's black and white there's there's absolute truths and the the importance of that type of foundation on on raising kids and building a strong family a strong family foundation so how important has your faith been in the upbringing of your kids oh that's it's the forefront it's you know yeah. it's who we are as you know family and you know that's the circle where, you know, we're going to the synagogue. That's our, you know, community. So it's, it's, it's very much forefront. Do you feel that they're the way that you've raised them? Do you ever fear that they'll walk away from that? Or do you feel like you've set such a great foundation for them that you, do you ever worry about that at all? You never know. I mean, things can happen in life that, you know, 
upset people or whatever, but you know, even like I'm divorced and you know, my ex keeps, you know, the same, you know, circles of religion that I do. And we mm-hmm. have the same values at home and, you know, we never put the kids in between us either through the divorce process. So they know they have two parents. So they're really happy, healthy, stable kids. It's not like they're like, oh my gosh, I need to explore and figure something out because I'm trying to find something. I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy. So, you know, we give them the opportunities that they want. We give them, you know, my daughter wants to play hockey. No problem. Let's go play hockey. Um, You know, my boys want to do X, Y, and Z. All right, let's go do X, Y, and Z. So it's never, you know, again, people can be unhappy with situations in life or looking for, you know, some people are looking just to rebel and some people are looking because they're searching and some people are, you know, angry, you know, all different reasons. But, you know, what we, me and my ex, we really try to give the kids, you know, the upbringing that they're happy, healthy and, you know, safe, you know, that they're not looking for other stuff. Again, not just religion wise, but, you know, drugs, alcohol, you know, running around, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you navigate? Like, was, were you and your ex-wife, I guess is what you would say, were you amicable through the entire process? And is there any tips you could give for men who are about to go through that or are in the midst of Um, separation? Sometimes it takes a lot to swallow, but if you have kids, it's about the kids and she'll always be there and you'll always be there from the other side. And unless you want to screw up your kids, then go ahead and fight. Because the kids are the ones going to be hurt. Yeah. You know, you're going to say you won. Wonderful. Your kids are hurting. You want to say she won. Her kids are hurting. So, mm-hmm. you know, you had kids together, figure it out. Yes. You might not want to live together with her anymore, but it doesn't mean that you can't be a father and a mother to the kids. Yeah. I love that. And I've had interviews with quite a few men who have gone through divorces and it really is that in if you really want to raise successful adults that understand appropriate relationships and understand you, you just literally have to put it aside. You just have to almost die to that part of. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The deal with it in your therapy or whatever the hell it is, or actually (laughs) hockey was a great therapy. I mean, I go to, you know, I see, I was through the divorce. I, you know, I went to see someone, but hockey, you're just getting out there on the ice with your, you know, your own self and playing. It was a hell of a lot cheaper than therapy. Also. Yeah. Well, you know, your head and like, you know, it gets your aggression out and you're moving, you know, people go to the gym or whatever. I just, I don't love the gym. So for me, hockey was, you know, I'm going twice a week or whatever it is to play. It's that's, that was perfect for me. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to point out is, you know, just because, and I see this a lot, guys would be like, well, in order to be successful, I got to go to the gym or I've got to, I've got to go rucking or I've got to do mountain biking or whatever, because that's what someone that they see successful doing. And that's so not true. You need to do what you enjoy doing and you will continue to do the activity itself. As long as it's activity is, is the, is the key, right? You got to keep moving somehow, figure out, we like play pickleball, play pickleball. You like to play volleyball, play volleyball. You want in the softball league, but just, be consistent with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now this summer I've been off for the last three weeks just based on the leagues, but you know, it starts up in another week or so. I can't wait to get back on the ice. But again, I went on road trips and I did stuff. So I'm keeping myself, you know, busy 
But you talk about going on hikes and all the other things. I mean, I own a kayak, so I'll take my kayak out sometimes on my my own. And, uh, you know, I'll do hikes myself. I don't necessarily need someone else. It's always fun and nicer to go with somebody, but I'm not afraid to uh, go on my own. Do you think that that, have your kids have watched you do this? Are your kids pretty active? Have they found things? I mean, obviously your daughter plays hockey. How about the, the rest of your boys? So my boys, they grew up, um, they went to a religious school. So it's, they have mm-hmm. a lot more in school time than a regular kid would necessarily have. Um, ah. So like Sundays, there was, you know, school as well. Um, so Sundays afternoon were free, but now that they, you know, were in high school and post high school, they, they have study in the afternoon as well. So they don't have that much free time. So they never really, I mean, there's like leagues, there was leagues for the boys, you know, like Friday afternoons um, before the Sabbath and, you know, after school, cause school ends earlier on Friday for them. Um, and then Sunday afternoons when they were in elementary school, they had leagues and stuff. So they always love to play and they'll play, you know, pick up basketball or whatever, um, you know, with their schoolmates and stuff. But they don't have any, uh, you know, formal, uh, you know, leagues or real, you know, travel teams or whatever. Because once they reach a certain age, it's just they're more in school. They don't have that much free time. Yeah, I never thought of that. How does your daughter handle? Because I know you guys practice Sabbath. Does she feel ever like she's separated if there's any tournaments you know, or anything happening on Sabbath? This, is they, this team is a Sabbath observing team. Um, wow, cool. The older games are on Saturday night after the Sabbath is mm-hmm. over. That's scheduled. And then, so that's, we have a home game Saturday night. And then Sunday, we always have to go out. We don't have a home game on Sunday. Sunday, we always have to travel. Um, and then Mondays and Wednesday evening is practice. Yeah. Okay, so is that because you're in a concentrated Jewish area, or is it? Oh, yeah, so there's enough people for. There's one team per each age group that uh, this this travel this program actually has that they work out. So, how important do you feel like? How how do you think things would go as a as a practicing Jewish family? How would they go if you didn't live in a Jewish like saturated? It's I guess saturated is not the word, but where you have a, a lot of Jewish population around you. Well, that's why most of them live in towns and communities that have a, because you do need your synagogue, you need your kosher food, you want to, you know, mm-hmm. the school. So, I mean, there are people that live out, you know, in far, far away places, you know, but it's usually either, you know, they're there for, um, what's the English word? Um, like a... Um, like an outreach type program, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, or like they're in college towns where there's a lot of, you know, guys, people going to school, not necessarily so religious, but you know, at least to give them a taste of home or what Judaism is like. Um, so there'll be like some, you know, campus rabbis or, you know, in different uh, areas of the country. But I mean, uh, all over the country, you know, there's, there's religious communities. Some are bigger, some are smaller. But. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I, how important is, this is kind of a dumb question because I know the answer. How important is being engaged in that community for you guys? And and how do you see this? It were you born and raised in a Jewish community, and how did how did you see that growing up? I was, and it just you know, it's part of your life. Like I don't know any other way necessarily. So it's you know, you grow up with the you know the religious schools, you grow up with the the synagogues, and you know the kosher, and you know the Sabbath, and it's part of your life, and Mm-hmm. You know, there's times that you like struggle with stuff because like, Hey, it's so much easier if I could just do X, Y, and Z. But then you look at the beauty of it and like, you know, you have community, you have your faith, you have your, uh, you know, close knit, um, you know, support and, 
you know, you know, every Sabbath, it's awesome. Friday afternoon till Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday until Saturday night, no electronics, no electricity, no whatever. Like my phone is off. I am, unless there's an emergency, like, you know, life and death, like someone's going to go to hospital or whatever. Like I'm not touching my phone. I'm not driving a car. It's just, it's, you just spend time with the family. You go to synagogue, you have meals, you play games. It's, it's great. I think there's so much value in that. It's a force everybody every single weekend. You know, like, yeah. If everybody would step done. into that. Yeah. I have non-Jewish friends, a lot of them. And my wife and I work really, we're, we're getting better and better over time where we would literally take a Sabbath. We're like, no, no, we need to shut down, stop, observe and be, be present. And, yeah. you know, d- despite your, your religious beliefs, how could anybody argue against that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously, People, you know, they, they go Lazy? out to the country and the countryside to reconnect and shut off their phone for two days. And they're like, Oh my God, that's amazing. So imagine doing that every single week. Yeah. I think it's, it's a blessing. Uh, yeah. I think your yeah. kids are getting a, kind of a foot forward, quite honestly, in today's society where I would say a very large percentage of kids don't even know how to function for a day without texting. Without a phone, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So like my they may not know it, but they're very blessed. Yeah. My boys have flip phones now. They don't even have a smartphone. Awesome. Their school doesn't allow them because of, you know, what could be on it or whatever. So oh, yeah. it yeah. just... You know, they can have a flip phone, they can make calls and, you know, get some texts and that's about it. No, uh, oh, they got to do the T9 texting. Oh, yeah. The- mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that takes me back, man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really it cool. Is. That's really cool. Okay. So give me, uh, we talked about, we talked about like just taking off some of the stuff you do is planned. We talked about food. Give the, let's wrap this up by giving the guys listening who are like, I, I got to do this, this road trip thing. Give them one piece of advice that would really help them. Learn the different type of corn because you're just going to pass tons of cornfields. And when you <laughs> tell your kids, look, there's cornfield. Like, we saw that already. We saw that already. We saw that six states ago. <laughs> but no, there, it's, it's a running joke now everybody's like okay who could find the first cornfield <laughs> like don't ever say oh it again on the rest of the trip <laughs> yeah i remember my wife and i were driving through from massachusetts to oregon and we finally we saw so much corn and we stopped and we finally stopped at this place called the corn oh my gosh now i lost it corn palace have you ever passed corn palace Okay, so it's a huge building, all devoted to corn. It's like a corn museum, corn art art place. And the whole outside, the entire outside is mosaic of corn in different colors. Oh, wow. Yeah. and we, I got to bring my kids here just to torture them. <laughs> I was like, this is insane. So you know you've, you know you've reached the pinnacle of corn country when you have visited the corn palace. Yeah. I don't know if it's still there. Does it pop when it gets really hot? I don't know. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, was, my one piece cool. of advice is just do it. Like yeah, don't, don't, don't over, don't overthink it. Just, you know, mm-hmm. get in a car, rent a car and just, just, just go. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Aaron, thank you so much for like sharing your experience, especially around your religion and the practices and how, how you're raising your your boys and your daughter to be next generation awesomeness. It's just a ton we can pull from that. And I really appreciate your time. 
A pleasure. It's great uh, being on. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, do the thing. Do, <laughs> like it, subscribe, stars, all, all the goodies. And uh, we appreciate you being listeners. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.